You are listening to the Beer Metal Show, a podcast all about craft beer and fucking metal. You will hear beer reviews with the metal connection, interviews with beer industry and metal musicians. Your host is Eric, the Beer Metal Dude Mendiola. Visit the homepage at beermetal.net. Now, raise your horns and beers. Cheers, motherfuckers. On with the show. Craft beer reviews with the metal connection. Accepting each beer in an open discussion Inebriate explicit memory as the day goes This is the Beer Metal Show Welcome to the Beer Metal Show, a podcast that is all about craft beer and fucking metal I am your host, Aaron the Beer Metal Dude Now, for those new to this show This podcast is like an online radio show with some craft beer drinking and dissecting in between songs. You will hear music played throughout the show, some history notes about the bands I play, and of course, some history and news about the breweries I am featuring as well. Some of you might not like the music I play, as it is mostly all extreme metal. You know, got some death metal, some black metal, grindcore, and all the other little subgenres of metal as well. But hey, fuck it. That is what this show is all about. Underground metal and craft beer. All right. Well, with all that being said, this is episode number 35. Finally made it to another little milestone. Uh, This episode, I entitled Desolate Path to Apocalyptic Craft Beer. And it's a pretty fitting title for our day and age as our craft beer world. I mean, fuck it. You know, the whole world as we know it is heading towards the what seems to be the apocalypse. You know, am I right? I mean, fuck. And as I usually do, this show's title is a play on words to a metal song. In this case, our show's theme song is Desolate Path to Apocalyptic Ruin by today's featured artist, Goat Whore. Now more on them in just a quick minute. Now, I recently went to a Total Wine store here in San Antonio and bought some new beers. Some of them that I bought were IPAs, so I had to put them first in line. As you know, it's best to drink IPAs as fresh as humanly possible to save the aroma and flavor of the beers. So yes, this episode is an all-IPA episode. The IPA style has become the poster child, so to speak, for craft beer. Every brewery makes them. And in fact, some breweries that are out there seem to only make these types of beers. Now, just like in metal, there are small subcategories um, within the IPA style. Some to mention are, you know, your basic American IPA, the double or imperial IPA, the triple IPA, West Coast IPA, Brute IPA, Black IPA, also known as Cascadian Dark Ale or the American Black Ale. And the new kings of the block, the New England IPA, or hazy IPA, or fucking juicy IPA, whatever you want to call that shit. All right, now a little history lesson here. The IPA, or India Pale Ale, dates back to around 1840, so around that time. The style was uh, formulated to survive long voyages by sea from England to India. And as the years passed, more and more breweries were exporting to India, all creating their own take on the India Pale Ale. So now let's leap forward to the late 20th century. Here we are with the whole craft beer revolution that happened here in the States 
and breweries began to brew the old style, but with modern twists to them, you know? You know how we do it in America. We always got to fucking make things extraordinary and shit. The IPA now really showcases the hops being used to brew the beer with intense aroma and flavor. To some people, the IPA is way too bitter for their palate. But to others like me, I say give me all the fucking bitterness. The higher the IBU, the better. Now, there are some IPAs out there with low bitterness and focus more on juicy flavors, and that's mostly the hazier New England-style IPAs. And I'm sure you are all tired of me saying this, but fuck that style of beer. We won't get into that right now. What I will get into is some fucking metal, specifically Goat Whore. This band hails from New Orleans, Louisiana, formed by guitarist Sammy Duet. In, uh, let's see, 1997, following the split up of the amazing sludge doom metal band Acid Bath, which is one of my favorite bands, by the way, the original lineup consisted of Patrick Bruders on bass. He would later be known for playing in Crowbar and uh, Down. Zach Nolan on drums, who would go on to play with Ritual Killer. Ben Stout on guitar who was in Graveyard Rodeo and would later play with Soylent Green. Handling the vocal duties for Goat Whore is ex-paralysis frontman Ben Faugu. Ben and Sammy are the only two original members currently still in Goat Whore. Their current lineup has Zach Simmons on drums, who joined the band in 2004, and he was only 17 at the time. And I know that Zach is a craft beer drinker, as he's a friend of mine on Untapped. Uh, even though I just looked at his profile a couple minutes ago, and he hasn't checked in a beer since 2015, but at one point, you know, he was pretty active on there. But I still believe he gets into craft beer, as the band as a whole seems to dig on the craft. Uh, I have seen them perform live at Brash Brewing Company uh, last year at their anniversary party. It was fucking awesome. Um, I also have a buddy, Trans Am, as he is known, who plays bass for Goat Whore right now. Now, he only plays live for them as he's been with the band since 2014, but has not recorded anything with them, but they play live. He is there, which is awesome to see a good friend of mine on stage with another one of my favorite fucking bands. You know, that's that's awesome. Their current listed bass player who has performed on the band's last three albums to date is James Harvey. Now, Goat Whore released their debut full length album, The Eclipse of Ages Into Black, in 2000 on Rotten Records. This is where our episode's title song comes from. I always try to start with the song from the debut and then work my way, you know, through the band's career within the show. Now, as I said earlier, this episode's title is Desolate Path to Apocalyptic Craft Beer. So here is the episode's theme song, Desolate Path to Apocalyptic Ruin. <laughs> Oh, 
right, well, let me tell you about the beers that will be featured today. As I said, they are all IPAs. First up will be Sabrocanut Island by the craft brewing giants, St. Arnold Brewing Company out of Houston, Texas. I will follow up that one with Level 1 Jungle Run Tropical IPA by Garland, Texas-based Lakewood Brewing Company. After that, I will have the Devil and Johnny J Double Damned IPA by Hoppensting Brewing Company out of Grapevine, Texas. And the last beer of the episode will be a black IPA or Cascadian Dark Ale known as Black Rose by San Antonio's own Kunstler Brewing. It's going to be one hell of a hoppy day here at the Beer Metal Media House. See what I did there? <laughs> All right, now let's move on to Goat Whore's second full-length album, Funeral Dirge for the Rotten Sun. This one came out in 2003, which also came out on Rotten Records as well. Now, the crazy thing is, this album followed a near-fatal van crash, which left uh, their singer Ben temporarily paralyzed. The future of the band was actually uncertain, you know, after that crash, according to their bio. But against medical odds, Ben regained use of his legs, and the band carried on. Thank the fucking Dark Lord for that. Now, this album seemed to still be in the same vein of their first album with a more sludgy black metal approach, but this one seemed a little bit slower at times. It's a great album, but then again, I think all their albums are fucking great. All right, well, here is my favorite song from the album. This song is called Blood, Guilt, Eucharist. Enjoy. Yeah. 
right, let's get into beer number one. I'm getting thirsty over here. St. Arnold Brewery out of Houston, Texas, is said to be the oldest craft brewery here in the state. Man, I can't even remember my first St. Arnold beer. I've been drinking these beers from these guys for quite some fucking time. Let's scroll through my untapped here and see what my first check-in was. I mean, I've been on this untapped app since 2011. So let's let's go back. Let's do a little search here. All right. Well, it looks like Pumpkinator 2011 was my first ever St. Arnold beer to be checked into on untapped. It was in October of 2011. Wow. Now, for those that don't know, Pumpkinator is a 10% Imperial Pumpkin Stout. But to be honest, I'm sure of it. I've had beers from them way before that. In uh, the many years that this brewery has actually been around, I've only been there like maybe twice, I think. And it was after they moved locations. I still haven't been since they opened up their new beer garden and restaurant. One day, when things get back to normal, I will make a trip to Houston and visit this amazing place. Right now, they are only doing curbside for food and beer, just as most breweries here in the state are doing. Now, this part of their operation, the Beer Garden Restaurant, I believe was open for dine-in, but just recently, the governor's office abruptly decided that in calculating whether the Beer Garden and Restaurant sells at least 51% alcohol, you know, determining if they are a bar or restaurant, they have to include all of the beer that they sell to their distributors. So according to this... It's as if they are selling the product that they sell to the distributor to their customers at the restaurant. Does that make any kind of fucking sense to you? Now, I don't like politics and rarely even pay attention to politics, but this one is even having me fucking scratch my head. It's lame, dude. Like for real. All right. Well, let's get into something more positive. The actual beer. Sabrokanut Island. I mean, I've always have been having a hard time saying that. Sabrokanut. Sabrokanut. <laughs> Sabrokanut Island is classified as an Imperial Double New England IPA. So I went into this one with a bit of hesitation, but then again, it's St. Arnold, so that kept my hopes up high. Sabro hops are known to give off huge coconut notes, and one of the newest hop that the brewery has been experimenting with lately. They said that they really like this hop in this beer as it plays well with the tropical fruit characters that this beer has. So that is why they named it Sabrokanut Island, because it reminded them of like a Caribbean island drink. Now here on the can itself, it not only lists Sabro, but in this beer they used Citra, Hollertu Blanc, and Hollertu herbs rucker i think that's how you say those hops anyway they use all those as well in this beer so let's see what this beer is all about first the can design as with most of saint arnold's cans this label is printed right on the can so it's not a wrap or a sticker this whole can is uh, dark blue with a uh, dark melon orange color as the artwork for it so yes just the two colors on the whole thing Top of the can has a borderline with the words limited release IPA on it. 
The main art piece is a clip art looking piece that consists of two palm trees with what looks like hops hanging from them. There's ocean waves in the background, a starry night with a crescent moon, and on the beach or on, on the land between the two trees, there are three things that also resemble like hop cones that look like they're coming out of the ground. Now, under under the piece of art is the St. Arnold logo, and under the logo is the banner that has like stamp edges. Within uh, that little stamp box is the beer name and beer style. These colors, though, on this can really pop out. I really like this can, and I was pretty pleased with the way the photo came out when I took 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 the uh, you know the picture of this one. Uh, you know, you can check that out on my Instagram, Beer Metal Photography. All right, now let's get to the beer. Well, the appearance of this one is a semi-hazy, light, bright yellow, golden color. And uh, right off this initial pour, there is a about a two-inch white foamy head. Yeah, pretty, pretty good looking beer here. All right, let's get to the aroma. Now I am picking up on some, um, some pineapple, some mango, some papaya, and also grapefruit. And what seems like tangerine or like lemon rind, there is definitely coconut in, in the nose on this one. That hop really does add a great characteristic to this beer. Now, this one is also a bit pungent or dank as well in the nose. You know, I feel that burn there. The combination of tropical fruits and the coconut really lingers in the nose after each sniff that I'm taking. But it's not very strong. So don't expect like a, a full like pina colada or anything like that. You know what I mean? All right. Well, cheers. Let's get uh, down to the taste. You know what this reminds me of? I'm going to tell you. This reminds me of like a coconut pineapple sparkling water. Not sure if you've ever had that flavor of sparkling water or whatever, but it's one of my favorites. So, yes, I get a ton of pineapple flavor. Now, also along with the papaya, the mango, and grapefruit, you can definitely get that right on the palate, man. Again, there's that hint of that tangerine and lemon rind. The coconut flavor comes through at the end. Like, I'm really getting that, you know, after I take each sip. Now, the aftertaste that I'm getting here is just pretty much all coconut and pineapple, though. That's pretty much what still stays in, you know, the flavors there that stay, stick around. All right, I'm going to say this one has a medium body. Very moderate carbonation here on this one. It drinks like an NEIPA, sort of. But it does still have a slight bitter bite to it, which I like. It's not soft like most uh, New England IPAs, you know, the, at least the ones I've had. To me... The finish on this one is smooth with a tad bit of dryness. This is really a good fucking beer. So overall, I will score this beer a 4.25 out of 5 on my untapped. Very enjoyable. And at 7.7% ABV, this one is already giving me a good little buzz to get my day started. I know it's a limited release beer. So I'm not sure if any new batches will be made again this year. So finding one now, it might be a few months old. But honestly, I say give it a try. But, you know, the longer it sits at the store, the flavors might drop off a bit. But I am hoping that they release uh, this one again next year. We shall see. 
Well, let's also see what I could pair this beer with. Metal Connection. A very good friend of mine by the name of King Fowley. Most of you metalheads who listen to the show should know this man. He is mostly known for being the drummer and vocalist for the death thrash metal band Deceased. Deceased has been around since 1985, pumping out some really sick tunes now for 35 years or so. That's fucking badass. But we're not actually here to talk about Deceased. In 1995, King started a side project, a true underground heavy metal band known as October 31. This band definitely has its own style, totally different from Deceased, gaining influences from bands like Nasty Savage, Exciter, you know, bands like that. This band was to show off King Fowley, along with his guitar player, Brian Williams, their love for the old glory days of 80s heavy metal. In their career, they have released a couple of demos, three EPs, and so far five full-length albums. Their latest album, entitled Metal Masquerade 31, is a 10-song album of cover songs. So no originals on the newest one. But in 2014, they released their fourth studio full-length album, Bury the Hatchet, on Hell's Headbangers Records. Joining Fowley and Williams on this album are guitarist Matt Eibach, who also plays live for Deceased, by the way. Bassist Jim Hunter, who also plays in a band called Twisted Tower Dire and While Heaven Wept. And drummer Sean Wilhide, who plays in a black metal grindcore band named Sloth Herder. Fowley and Williams are original members. Jim Hunter joined in 1997. The other guys are new guys to the lineup at this point, as they had a bit of a revolving door in this band. Now for this metal connection to Sabrokanut Island, I went with the killer track named Voodoo Island, and it's from this album. So enjoy this song as you take a trip to old 80s heavy metal that is actually from 2014. Voodoo Island. Of the horrors 
Hell yeah. All right. Now, A Haunting Curse is Goat Whore's third full-length album and first album to be released through Metal Blade Records, which the band is still signed to to this day. A Haunting Curse was released in 2006. Before this album was released, it seemed the band was faced with yet another curse, as in 2005, they were among the many people who had to flee the area due to the floodwaters of Hurricane Katrina. Remember that fucking shit that happened? Crazy times, man. On this album is when we were introduced to the new members, Zach Simmons on drums and Nathan Bergeron on bass. This album was recorded at Mana Studios in Florida with Eric Rutan, you know, the guitarist from the band Hate Eternal, and who once played with Morbid Angel and Ripping Corpse. Yeah, that guy. Anyway, Rutan handled the mixing, engineering, and producing on this album, adding some much-needed polishing to their studio recording sound. Here on this album, we hear a different approach to their music as well. I would call it more of a thrashier approach. They have that Louisiana-style metal. Hard to explain, but there is a style and sound that when I hear it, I could easily tell you that this band comes from Louisiana. It's just sludgy, you know, sludgy metal. Best way I could really describe it, I guess. You can hear it in certain bands like Soylent Green or I Hate God, Superjoint, Crowbar, you know, Exhorter, and, you know, all the bands that all those fucking bands. So years later, check this out. The song Diabolical Submergence of Rebirth from this album would actually be featured on an episode of the HBO series Treme. That's pretty fucking cool. Now, I never saw that show, but now I want to find that episode with the song in it just to see how it plays in there. Now, I did not go with that song, though, as this album has one of my all-time favorite goat whore songs ever. This is the head-banging, rage-inducing tune called Alchemy of the Black Sun Cult. Prepare to be crushed. Of war, and now you are. 
fucking song i seriously really do i think i broke some shit here in my room while it was playing oops <laughs> all right well let's move on to beer number two this american ipa is known as level one jungle run tropical ipa at 6.5 percent abv this is part one of what looks like a four beer small batch release this is level one the opening stage of a video game or something the Jungle Run. I believe Level 2 just came out, and that one is called Temple Hop, which is a hazy IPA. Now, they have blank pages on their website about the next levels, but with no info on them yet except for the beer name. So Level 3 is going to be called Dungeon Escape, and Level 4 will be called Boss Fight. So I like where this series is going. And I would try to get a hold of each level. Yes, including level two, the damn hazy IPA. Well, let's talk about level one, the Jungle Run Tropical IPA. This is an unfiltered IPA that was brewed with a variety of tropical fruits, including mango, pineapple, pink guava, and soursop. Sorry, but what the fuck is soursop? I have never heard of this fruit until now. I guess I'm going to have to seek this one out. <laughs> Here is a description I pulled up on Google about this fruit, because I'm sure I'm not the only one who has never heard of this one. Anyway, it says a soursop has an aroma similar to pineapple. The flavor is described as a combination of strawberries and apple with sour citrus flavor notes, contrasting with an underlying thick, creamy texture Reminiscent of banana. Actually sounds pretty good. Not only is this beer brewed with these fruits, but it is also generously dry hopped with citra, meridian, and amarillo hops. This beer comes to us from Lakewood Brewing Company out of Garland, Texas, uh, which is about 19 miles away from the center of Dallas. It's one of those small neighboring cities that no one ever really says the name of, at least people I know. When Lakewood is mentioned, people always just say Dallas. 
Within the city limits of Garland, there is also Intrinsic Brewing Company, which is an amazing barbecue joint as well. Anyway, Lakewood Brewing is well known. Their beers have been traded for and sought after, especially their Seduction series, which is different variants of their Temptress Stout, including a Peanut Butter Temptress, a French Quarter Temptress, Salted Caramel Temptress, and Double Chocolate Temptress. They even do a Bourbon Barrel Temptress. All very excellent beers, by the way. Their year-round beers are nothing to turn away from, though. They just make some really good shit. I mean, to be honest with you, like for real. I was able to visit this brewery back in 2017. And in the business area that this brewery is located at, I didn't know I was actually there. I, You know, it's, it's funny. Approaching the building, it looked like either like a call center or some sort of, you know, just business, you know. It, it, it was weird looking on the outside. But I had a really good time there, though. Uh, very cool tap room. All right. Well, let's finally get into the beer. This is a 12-ounce can with an awesome matte finish full wrap. Again, I really like these wraps because it helps the artwork stand out compared to the ones printed right on the can, you know, like our previous beer. Dark green borders on the top and bottom of the can here. The top one has the words small batch series several times around it. Bottom is just blank. Okay, now the main artwork. This can is green that fades to yellow, like side, side to side on the can. This has several little drawings representing different video games all over it, including some like green pipes, some diamonds, coins, a heart life meter thingy, a pineapple, some leaves, a sword. Let's see what else is on here. A couple of different video game controllers. Looks like some Tetris pieces. Uh, there's like a ghost, like the Pac-Man ghost, you know, some bombs, controller buttons. And it's funny, they even have like written out that whole like up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, start written on there. I always thought it was select start, but they, they, they left out select. Maybe I'm thinking wrong. I don't know. Help me out here, guys. So is it up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, select start? That's the way I always remember it, but I might be wrong. I think that was from what, Metroid or no, Contra, right? It was Contra. That's what that was on. <laughs> anyway, there are words drawn on this can as well, like power up, go, one up, bonus, start, extra life, and the words blow it out <laughs> right underneath a drawing of an old Nintendo cartridge, you know? Everyone used to blow on it whenever the game would act up. You know, oh, that's going to fix it. Remember doing that? Yeah. So apparently, that never really worked, but people did it anyway. I know some of us still do that to any electronics. Oh, man, my phone's not working. Just blow on it. Or the, the fucking USB plug isn't working. Just blowing it. It's funny. And I think it all started with the damn Nintendo. Anyway, on one side of the can is um, the beer name Level 1 is the main focus. And on the other side, the beer name Jungle Run is the main focus. Other drawings and words on there that have nothing to do with video games are like hop cones, a mango, guava, and the word soursop. It's a pretty cool collage of uh, nostalgia on here. You know, I really like it. Um, I really like where they're going with this whole series, actually. As I've already seen the can for level two, Temple Hop. And yeah, looks pretty cool. And I definitely want to go grab one of those soon. 
and just maybe I might just add a written out review on that one on my website at beermetal.net. I haven't done a written review in a while. Anyway, we'll see. We'll see what I do. All right. Well, this beer's appearance is hazy, but I like that they describe this as an unfiltered American IPA and not actually calling it a hazy IPA. There's two about two inches white foamy head again on this one. All right. Let's see. The color is like a bright golden orange. So very nice looking beer. Looks like an IPA. All right. Let's get to the aroma. Let's see. I'm picking up on some pineapple, the mango and the guava. There's what seems to be like orange rind. Oh man, definitely getting grapefruit and lemon. And behind all the fruit, there's some like some herbal greenery, but mainly tropical fruits and citrus. Again, I've never tasted a sour sop or even held one in my hands, so I have no idea what to really look for. But judging on the description of that fruit, I'm assuming it is there somewhere. The lingering smell that is in my nose still is a mixture of the pineapple, mango, and guava with a little bit of orange and the, and the herbalness as well. All right, well, cheers, motherfuckers. Let's get to the taste. Again, pineapple, mango, guava, that orange rind, grapefruit, and yep, the and the lemon. I like it. Take another sip. See, I'm getting that herbal greenery again at the end there, but mainly tropical fruits and citrus again. Same as the nose, you know, really. No real hidden tastes are, are in this beer. The aftertaste is all orange and pineapple and mango. That's really what I'm getting here at the end. You know, as I'm talking, just letting the breath come out of my mouth, I'm really getting that taste of just those fruits. Once again, I'm going to say this one has a medium body. This one, though, has a slick mouthfeel. Good combination on this beer, definitely. A bit of fizziness, you know, that I'm getting there. Uh, definitely bitter. And this one finishes dry. I really enjoy this beer. So my untapped score on this one, I'm going to give it a four out of five. I would definitely drink this beer again. That's for fucking sure. Now, I say after all four beers in this series have been released, they should put out like a boxed set with one can of each and like a cool retro video game type box or something. That would be awesome. So Lakewood, if you're listening to this, do that shit. All right. Way to go on level one. Metal Connection. The metal connection for this beer was actually pretty easy for me. Because as soon as I saw this can, the first band that came to mind was Jungle Rot, a death metal band from Wisconsin who began back around 1994. I have been a fan of this band since about 1995 with their Skin the Living demo. I believe I purchased the demo directly from the band back then, you know, through snail mail, you know, actual mail, you know, the one you go to your mailbox and get letters and shit, mostly bills right now. But, you know, back then we used to actually send shit to each other in the metal world. Does anybody remember that? Anyway, tons of little cutout ads for bands demos would be distributed through the mail with each actual letter that we would write to each other. It was badass checking the mail and receiving packages almost daily. Back then, I created my own fanzine, which I had called Beyond the Grave. So I would get promos almost every day in the mail. It would be so much sometimes, depending on the size of the packages, that they would hold it for me at the post office. I used to hate to have to go there and wait in line and all that shit. Anyway, where I used to live, there was this small flower shop 
in this little shopping center near my house, which was also like a USPS station. And they had PO boxes there. So I had to get one. And it was awesome there because it was small and there was never really a long line or anything. And they would hold my large packages uh, just behind the counter. That was really cool. Really fun times. Now it's all right in front of us on the computer screen with all the social media outlets and digital downloads and, you know, and all that crap. We physically had to work for our music back then. Tape trading, designing the ads and putting them in the mail and actually either writing or typing out letters to our pen pals or band members. It was fucking wild. It was fun. Anyway, yes, Jungle Rot. Their second demo, a pretty professional looking one, was called Skin to Living, the one I was talking about. And, you know, I received that and fell in love with this band's style. The demo, which was 10 songs long at almost 25 minutes, would become the band's debut full-length album. Basically, it was just re-released in CD format through Pure Death Records in 1996. This is still an active band, and they have released 10 full-length studio albums to date. According to their Metal Archives page, they definitely have had a rotating door of band members in and out of the lineup with guitarist vocalist Dave Matrice being the only constant member since the beginning. In 1997, they released their second full-length album entitled Slaughter the Week. It was originally released on Pulverizer Records, and this album has seen its fair share of reissues throughout time on Pavement Music, Morbid Records, and crash music. On this album, Matrice was joined by another original member, Jim Bell, on guitar. Newcomers to the lineup back then were Rob Pandola on drums and Mike Legros on bass. For both Pandola and Legros, this would be the only full-length album they actually played on. Jim Bell played on one more album after this and would part ways with the band. Bell and Pandola don't seem to have any active bands after Jungle Rot, but Legros would play with such bands as November's Doom, Earthen, and Dissenter. Cool thing is, a good buddy of mine, James Gennens, Jennings, Gennens, sorry James, I've never known how to say your last name. I just known you as James or Jimmy, so forgive me if I butchered up your last name. He Anyway, he would join Jungle Rot in 2005. I knew this dude from back in the old AOL metal chat room days, and we would later meet in person. And then we did a little tour together when he was jamming in Flesh Grind and I was in Exulcerate. But I do believe I even met him in person back in my old Putrilage days as well. Who knows? It's all fuzzy. Too many damn beers from then until now. Whatever. I just really wanted to mention and throw a shout out to my boy James. What's up, dude? Hope all is well. Anyway. Let's get back to Slaughter of the Week. I chose my favorite Jungle Rot song. It's the opening track to this album and a perfect example of their style of heavy as fuck, slow chugging, catchy death metal. Here is the metal connection for Jungle Run Tropical IPA. This is the song Left for Dead. <laughs> Who 
Okay, here we are at the halfway point of the show. Hope you're all enjoying this one so far. There's not really much to talk about right now at the halfway point. You know, normally at this point of the show, I get personal or talk about whatever. Uh, let's see. I got sick one day, actually, and had to call into work. And due to the whole scare of this damn virus, you know, my boss has opted to keep me away from work for the 10-day quarantine or whatever. But don't worry, I don't have the virus or anything. I had some kind of bug or something just for that one day, but I'm still taking the precautions, so I've been at home. So yeah, nothing to really worry about. Anyway, this whole time I've just been putting together this episode. A lot of research goes into each episode as I have to find the songs to play, you know, to match them with, with, the, with the beers. I have to get all the biography stuff for each band and do a little research for each brewery and the beer. So yes, I am reading notes as the show does go on. And this is what pretty much takes up a lot of time in between episodes. You know, just so you know. I actually cannot wait to return to go to work as I love my job at Back Unturned Brewing. And I miss being able to talk to my coworkers and guests. By the time you're hearing this though, I should be back to work. Other than that, things have been going pretty good in my life, I guess. I've been uh, spending a lot of time with my two dogs, Saxon and Maddox, you know, during this time away from work. That's been fun. Uh, let's see. I checked out a lot of new stuff on Netflix and some classic horror and sci-fi on Amazon Prime. So, yeah, that's pretty much what I've been up to. Drinking some beer, you know, the huge. All right. Well, that's enough rambling, I guess. Let's get back into some more metal before we get into beer number three. In 2009, Goat Whore released their fourth full-length album, Carving Out the Eyes of God, again on Metal Blade Records. The same lineup from the previous album is still intact on this one. The production again just got better. Again, produced by Eric Rutan. The song I chose from this album is another personal favorite of mine, and it seems to be the unofficial anthem for the band. As this song appeared on the Xbox 360 PlayStation 3, uh, the game soundtracks for Splatterhouse and Saints Row 3. While the video for this song was featured in an episode of Last Call with Carson Daly. I'm sure you were all going, oh yeah, I know, I know this one, I remember that. This album boosted these guys in such a way that this album debuted on the Billboard Hard Music Chart at number 33 the Billboard Top New Artist or Heat Seekers chart at number 16 and the Billboard Top Independent Albums chart at number 34. Not too fucking bad for an underground, non-mainstream band. Here is a song that some of you may or may not already know. Prepare to headbang until your fucking neck breaks. This is Apocalyptic Havoc. Yeah. 
All right, well, here we are with beer number three of the episode. I am now moving on to the Devil and Johnny J Double Damned IPA by Hoppensting Brewing Company out of Grapevine, Texas. Grapevine is another small city near the Dallas area. In fact, this one is just north, and it's actually in between Fort Worth and Dallas. In mid-2018, Hoppensting Brewing purchased the assets and brands of Grapevine Craft Brewery from their owners. You know, they purchased the, the rights to everything. So the story goes that Hoppensting's owners, Brian Burton and John Powell, were actually in talks with Grapevine Craft Brewery to contract brew their beers there. But then ended up pursuing the whole, you know, acquisition instead. So good for them. You know, they, they got the better deal. Another note here about all of this is that both Powell and Burton have a history with uh, the Grapevine Craft Brewery before all of this. A lot of the beers that Grapevine Brewery had put out were originally created in Powell's parents' barn back in 2013, according to... Uh, some notes I read on, on online. Burton actually began his brewing career at Grapevine Brewery back in 2014. As far as what I can see on the Hoppensting website, they still brew a few of the brands that were created under the old brewery, along with their own unique brands as well. These guys have an impressive year-round lineup and some great-sounding limited releases. Here is one of those limited releases. This is The Devil and Johnny J Double Damned IPA, a 9.2% ABV Imperial IPA. At first, I thought this was about the story in the song The Devil Went Down to Georgia, you know, by uh, the Charlie Daniels band. But then I looked on the back of the can and read this interesting and funny story about this beer. So check this out. Johnny was denied the chance to brew an IPA his way. Dejected, he went to the crossroads to plead for his desire. He heard a voice say, whatever you can do or dream, you can begin it. Boldness has genius, power, and magic in it. Upon hearing that, he finds a contract and signs it in his own blood. Upon returning to work, he is told, okay, Johnny, you can brew your damned IPA. Johnny smiled, knowing it would taste so good, you'll sell your soul to try it. Interesting. That was kind of cool. I like that. Sorry. The words are very, very small on the back of this can. So I was having a little bit of a hard time reading that. So forgive me. I do know how to read. Don't fucking make fun of me. Damn it. All right. Well, this is a 12 ounce can with a glossy full wrap around the can. I love it already. The color of the label is black with gray designs on it. Now they use the same design on most of their cans where the brewery logo is on the bottom of the can and the name of the beer is in like this window-like shape. The beer name logo is awesome with the words the devil and being in a large block font that fades from red to yellow. Then Johnny J is written in a handwriting font as if it was his signature. The beer name really stands out on this dark background. Above the beer name is a cool drawing of the devil's head, complete with large horns and a flame coming out of his forehead. Behind the devil's head 
is a gray colored figure X, which again, to me references the crossroads. There are some black squiggly lines within the X shape. Pretty cool looking. The back of the can is red or reddish, kind of like almost pink, I guess, or some kind of shade of red. And that's where that story of the beer is. Very nice design. Let's move on to the beer. All right, this one is slightly hazy. Bright golden orangey-like color. And it's topped with about a half-inch white foamy head. Pretty good looking beer. All right, the aroma is orange fruit. Getting some lime. Ooh, kind of getting this red apple-like smell there. Papaya, mango. Definitely picking up on some melon and peach, berries. Definitely has some pine notes to it, too. And it is a bit woody. And um, some subtle dankness to this one as well. Nice, bready malt character behind all the hop-forward aromas. Fuck yeah. All right. Cheers to all of you. Oh, man. That taste. That orange rind is what I get right up front here with this one getting the papaya melon mango again with the apple notes you know that's the follow there the woody notes along with the pine and some dankness right now they're hitting the palate after all those fruit flavors definitely getting that now at the end of each sip is where i can pick up on the malt breadiness so it's all there it's there in the aroma and it's there in the taste i fucking love that at 9.2%, I could definitely get the boozy burn here. As I smack my lips, you know, after each sip, I'm picking up a bit of the berries and the peaches. It's weird, man. I like this a lot. I like all the complexity there. Really loving it. Again, the body is medium on this one. And I actually thought this one would be a, would be a little thicker. It has a smooth mouthfeel with a bit of fizziness, a good carbonation and bitter, definitely bitter. And it's definitely hot as the booze hits on this one. It's definitely hitting me right now. <laughs> All right. So overall, so far, this is my favorite beer of the episode. And no, not just because of the whole devil thing. But, you know, I do also put into consideration the label design since it works for, you know, the marketing standpoint of each beer. I know it grabbed my attention. But yes, I really, really enjoyed the aroma and taste of this beer. So my overall untapped rating for the devil and Johnny J is a 4.5 out of five. Now I did speak to the brewery on Instagram and um, they said that it should make a return later this year, possibly maybe October. I asked if there will be merchandise like glassware or shirts. And uh, that is also a possibility. So I know I'll keep an eye out for that. And you should too. Damn it. Again, this is an amazing fucking beer. All right. So what metal song will I pair this beer with? That is about the devil. Hmm. Let's see. Metal Connection. Okay. With 10 fucking million metal songs with the word devil in the title, I found the perfect song that pairs perfectly with the devil and Johnny J. This song is called the devil and the damage done. See how it has similarities in the names there? Perfect fucking fit. All right, back on episode number 25, this was the featured band. So I won't go into too much detail here 
about the Swedish black and thrash speed metal band Witchery. The band began back in 1997 when four members left the band Satanic Slaughter. Each member were or are still involved in the death metal band Seance, which I also featured back on episode number 15. The four friends and members, Jensen on guitar, Richard Corpse on guitar, Mick on drums, and Toxin on vocals, uh, they all performed together on Witchery's first two full-length albums and an EP. They enlisted bassist extraordinaire Charlie D'Angelo to join the group. He, along with Jensen and Richard Corpse, are still in the band to this day, along with some new members. Back in 1999, they released the album Dead, Hot, and Ready, originally released on Necropolis Records. Now, this album has also seen some reissues, including earlier this year, when Century Media Records released a remastered version, including a limited edition digipack. This album is where our Metal Connection song comes from. If you like what you hear with this song, please go back and listen to my older episodes, like number 25 or number 15, check out Seance, or any of my old episodes. And you can get all the info you would like on Witchery, on, especially on episode 25. I go into a whole ton of detail about the band on that, uh, that episode. So anyway, here is the song, The Devil and the Damage Done.
Now, I am a huge fan of that band right there. Witchery seriously kicks some ass. Just like I love Goat Whore. So now we are moving on to the year 2012 when they released their fifth studio full-length album, Blood for the Master. Falgu, Duet, and Simmons is now joined by new bassist James Harvey, who actually joined in 2009. This four-piece lineup has remained the same to this day from that point. Blood for the Master actually surpassed the success of the previous album. This one debuted on the Billboard Heat Seeker chart at number four, the current hard music chart at number 12, the hard music chart at number 21, and the top independent albums chart at number 31, as well as ranking in at number 19 on the iTunes rock chart. And this was upon the first week of the release of this album. Again, this album was recorded at Mana Studios in Florida with Eric Rutan, once again producing, engineering, and mixing the album. According to their biography, Ben Falgu actually dubbed this record Evil Rock and Roll. So here is the killer track, Beyond the Spell of Discontent. By the way, I love the opening riff. And around halfway into the song, we hear some fucking groove that will once again get you headbanging and fist pumping. Check it out. Of the rest. 
we have now moved on to the last beer of the episode. This one comes from a local San Antonio brewery by the name of Kunstler Brewing. The word Kunstler means artist or performer, which of course, brewing beers is an art, and the people behind the beers are performing some acts of making great, delicious beers. I will say that Kunstler is my favorite local brewery. I love the atmosphere in the brew pub. I love their beers, and I love their food, and I love their staff. I have many, many friends that work there. I try to visit this place as much as possible. Right now, with the craziness going on, they have been reduced to just doing curbside pickup for food and beer. Here's the funny thing. The state governor's order has all bars, which includes breweries and brew pubs like this one, to be shut down for dine-in. But yet, places like Chili's or Hooters can be open because they are considered a restaurant. Even though they have a bar and you could drink there, just like you can at a brewery that has food, like Kunstler, but because of a certain license, Kunstler has to close and do curbside only, but yet these other restaurants with the bar can stay open. It's a really weird situation, and, and I'm just, it's a bunch of bullshit and pissing a lot of people off in our craft beer community here locally. We all hope that one day, eventually, everything will be open back up like normal, but we'll see when and if that happens. So, we're just sitting and waiting. It's so frustrating to talk about, man. Sorry. Anyway, Kunstler is owned by Vera Deckard, along with her husband, Brent. Vera is also the company's head brewer, and most of their beers are designed by her. When reading their story, the first part of it reads, they are San Antonio's first artisanal craft brew pub with a fusion of German and Texan fare while reinventing old beer styles into flavorful and innovative works of craft beer artistry. The concept behind the brew pub is to display Vera's German heritage and her love for making quality craft beer. They also serve modernistic German food. That's like, you know, the story I got off their uh, website. I love everything about this. It's a great place to hang out. Now, I know that Vera has been planning on opening up a brewery for several years and originally had other names and locations in mind before Kunstler was opened in October 2017. Originally, they were San Antonio Brewing Company and then the OK Brewery and Ice House. I like the name Kunstler the best, and it really fits with what they're doing over there. Now, instead of purchasing another beer at the store from an out-of-town brewery, I decided to show some local love on this episode. I went and picked up a beer curbside, and since I knew I was doing an all-IPA episode and wanted something completely different than the other beers on the show, I went with their beer named Black Rose. This beer is a black IPA, or also known as a Cascadian Dark Ale, or even India Black Ale, or whatever you want to call it. It's a form of an IPA. Just like the hazy, the black IPA started as a new trend some years ago. Also, just like the white IPA, the brood IPA, or even the session IPA, you know, and all the others. It took off for a while, and it seemed that every brewery was making a black IPA. Then what seemed like all of a sudden, you don't see them much anymore out there. It just sort of faded away, but not completely. Obviously, some breweries still make them. 
Now, my favorite black IPA of all time is the now retired Sublimely Self-Righteous by Stone. Damn, I would drink that beer whenever I saw it on draft. I purchased many bottles of it. (laughs) And, of course, the almighty Blacker, which was originally brewed as a collaboration beer between three of my favorite metal breweries, Three Floyds from Indiana, Surly from Minnesota, and Real Ale from here in Texas. I really enjoy this style of beer, as I love the hoppiness combined with the roasty or smoky flavors. So as I said, I went to the brew pub to pick this beer up. And since they don't have a canning line or anything like that, this one came in a 16-ounce crowler can. This is the first crowler I featured on the show, so I will explain what that is real quick. Short description, a crowler is a can, either 12, 16, or 32 ounces, that is filled from the tap at a bar and then put in a single can sealing machine that seals the top lid to the can. It's a great way to get beer for home drinking from any bar or brewery that has a crowler machine. So this means in some cases, um, the places that use these will order in bulk the same can wrap or sticker label or even just have blank cans and write on them with like a water-resistant marker or something. In Kunstler's case, they use a glossy can wrap, which, of course, I love so much. Their design is awesome, too. The whole can is white with black lines and shapes all over the can. It's really badass. It almost looks like a paint-by-numbers kind of thing, like, you know, fill in these little squares and diamonds and triangles and whatnot with different colors, and you can color however you want. Anyway, they have these same black and white designs painted on the walls there at the brew pub. Super simple, but awesome looking. The brewery name is written up and down on one side, and on the other side are the spaces to be written written in for the beer style and ABV. Oh, and by the way, for Black Rose, it's at uh, 5.75%. All right. Now, before I actually get into the dissection of this beer... I'm going to give you another dose of goat whore real quick. In 2014, they released their sixth studio full-length album, Constricting Rage of the Merciless, again on Metal Blade Records. Once again, this album surpassed the last. These guys just seem to be getting better and better with each album, right? This album debuted at number 81 on Billboard's Top 200 chart. It ranked in at number 21 on Billboard's Rock Chart, number 7 on the Hard Rock Chart, and number 13 on the Independent Chart. While the song on this album, Bearing Teeth for Revolt, this is another song that made its way onto TV. It made its way onto the CBS crime drama series Elementary. Damn. These guys just keep doing cool shit not normally heard of by an underground extreme metal band. Of course, you know, you got Cannibal Corpse came out in like Ace Ventura back in the day. And, you know, there's other stuff that has happened. You know, Guar, they're a little more mainstream, but, you know, when they were on Empire Records. But anyway, Godor, fucking amazing what they're doing. It's awesome. Now, at this point in their career is when my good friend Robert Coleman or Trans Am or T.A., whatever you want to call him, This is when he joined the band as their live bassist for their shows and tours. And goddamn, he has played some fucking serious sick tours with Goat Whore. 
I'm so happy for him to be part of this amazing band. I hope your neck and your body is up for it. Because here is yet another fucking banger. This is Nocturnal Conjuration of the Accursed. This was expected. The appearance of this beer is black in color. Um, and it's got about a two-inch dark brown foamy head on this one. Yeah. Black IPA, huh? All right. Now, I normally love the smell of black IPAs. In a nutshell, you know, it's smoky and roasty and hoppy. All right. So, let's see what this one is. All right. Well, there you go. See, I'm getting that smokiness, man. That roasted malts. 
And of course the hops are coming in, you know, it's piney, a little bit of citrus orange, definitely getting some herbal, some floral greenery in here. Smoky man. And those roasted malts, I'm telling you burnt toast. I'm getting like a little aroma of like burnt toast, some toffee and caramel notes as well. Now the end of each sniff is like smoky pine with a bit of the orange. That's basically the best way to describe it. What I'm getting coming out of my nose here after I've been sniffing this beer here. All right. Well, cheers to all of you who have listened to this episode this far through. Fuck yeah. All right. Those roasted malts and pine really hit that palate first, man. That smokiness hits right when the beer is settling, you know, in your mouth, along with some caramel and toffee notes. Right at the end. Oh, yeah, see? Right at the end was it's going down. I'm getting that orange rind. That's when that's coming through, some orange to there, uh, which really works as this beer finishes dry. That toasted bread is also coming through as I'm talking right now and letting the beer settle down. Fuck yeah, man. Really great flavors in this beer. As I said, I just, I love the combination of a black IPA. Simply amazing. Uh, the body on this one is a little bit thicker than the others. Uh, so a little bit thicker than a medium, medium, uh, thick body, nice carbonation and it drinks dry, but still somewhat smooth, but then it finishes back to being dry again. So that's kind of what you get here. Now, this one is right up there with the devil and Johnny J as far as my ratings will go. I am giving this one a 4.5 out of 5 on my untapped. Definitely one of my favorite beers. I'm loving this one. It's awesome. Thank you, Kunstler, for making this amazing beer and being local so I can basically just drive over there and drink it whenever it's on tap. I hope this one will always be brewed. If not, I'm prepared to bribe you guys. All right? You hear me? All right, everybody. Now it's time for your favorite part. Metal Connection. For this Metal Connection, I actually found a song with the words Black Rose in the title. I knew I would, but when doing my search, I just didn't know where it would come from, you know? So for this beer, I am pairing it with a song from the Swedish thrash death metal band Defleshed. This band is actually split up right now, and they were only active from the years 91 to 1991 to 2005. They released a few demos before releasing an EP on Invasion Records in 94. Their first full-length album, Abra Cadavra, was released in 1996, also on Invasion Records. On all their albums that they released, which is five, by the way, the three members of Defleshed were intact. Gustav Jord on vocals bass, Matt Moden on drums, and Hell Y. Hansen on guitar. Back in 1997, they released their second full-length uh, album titled Under the Blade. Now, no offense, but not very original, especially since Twisted Sister released an album by this same name back in 1982. Of course, this has a different meaning than the old Twisted Sister album and song, but, you know, could have been a little more original than that. Anyway, it was on this album that our Metal Connection song comes from. Here is the song, Thorns of a Black Rose. 
all my fellow craft beer geeks and metal freaks, that was the episode. I really hope you enjoyed this one. I had a lot of fun putting this one together for you all. I feature some really great tasting beers today, along with some serious ass kicking metal songs. Please look up and follow, like, subscribe, or whatever it takes, you know, to each of these breweries, St. Arnold, Lakewood, Hoppensting, and Kunstler. Right now, during these times with most, if not all of these breweries only doing online ordering and curbside or to-go orders, they really need all of our help to survive. If they can't ship the beer, at least check out their websites for their merchandise. Same goes for the bands that I played today as well. You know, Goat Whore, October 31, Jungle Rot, Witchery, and Defleshed. You know, all of them are active bands except Defleshed, but their music and merchandise, I know, are still available somewhere out there. Get your hands on anything you can to support these musicians. A huge shout out to TA for helping me with a little problem I had coming into this episode. He helped me with the correct pronunciations of Sammy and Ben's last names. I know for a fact I would have said those completely wrong throughout the episode when talking about Goat Whore. In fact, I think I have used Goat Whore as a metal connection or somewhere on an old episode, and I think I might have said them wrong or I didn't say them at all. But now I know that it's Duet and Falgu, thanks to my buddy Trans Am. The most massive shout out is to you, the listener. Without you, I would not be doing this podcast. I appreciate the love and support I receive from all over the world. That is all I ask for, as I do not ask for donations and I do not make a penny off of this show. I spend money to make this show happen. I enjoy playing host to these amazing bands and I love to showcase them all to you. This is just like a more advanced tape trading that you know we used to do back in the early stages of uh, underground metal. But you get the music and I get your downloads and support. Again, I thank you. I do have a Facebook page for the podcast under the beer metal show podcast search and give me a like on there, please. I do have a few different Instagram accounts uh, that you can follow me as well. The beer metal show podcast, you know, all one word that's just for everything I do for this podcast. There is beer metal photography where you can see my professional photos of all the beers that I drink. And I have my personal page at Aaron underscore beer metal dude. But that page is just personal with food pics, pics of my dogs, and just random shit. But you can always follow me on on that one as well. Or any of the pages. And then you can contact me there as well. I'm also on Twitter uh, at The Beer Metal Show. All one word. Now, I'm already doing my research work for the next episode for both The Beer Metal Show and my mini podcast. It came from The Cellar. So be expecting those soon out as well. Now, don't press stop or leave your player quite yet, people. There is one last song to jam out to. This one comes from the latest Goat Whore album to date, Vengeful Ascension. This one was released in 2017 on Metal Blade Records. 
This album saw a change as they recorded this one at Earth Analog in Illinois. This one was recorded by their longtime sound man, Jarrett Pritchard, who plays in the band's Brutality and Eulogy. So this puts an end to working with Eric Rutan since he recorded the band's previous four full-length albums. So one thing I forgot to mention on the last album was that it was recorded on reel-to-reel instead of digital and all that fancy stuff you see in you know a lot of studios today. Well, they did the same thing with this one as well. And that's fucking ballsy as that leaves way too little room for error, which just proves that these fuckers are badasses. All right, folks, thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, enjoy this last song. Mankind will have no mercy. Cheers, motherfuckers. (laughs) 